And welcome to another edition of TSC Music's Music with the Mission, where we specialize in perpetuating and promoting the Christian and positive idea through the medium of music and other arts. We're glad to be in the studio today with the ensemble that just accompanied us to the Netherlands. <laughs> uh, Netherlands, woo, woo is like woo is like the universal language. You know, when you don't know what else to say, you just say woo. Glad to have you guys. We are going to be discussing the trip and your experiences uh, while you were there. You guys were incredible on this trip. I want to thank you for your fortitude, your tenacity, your strength, your desire to see God glorified in the earth. We're going to be back right after a short message as we discuss the Netherlands missions trip with the YPC Netherlands team in a minute. Church Youth Praise Choir is now accepting applications. The YPC's passion for Jesus is contagious. Up for anything and everything, the Praise Choir is eager to show others the love of God. And singing is only the beginning. If you're between the ages of 14 and 30 and would like to be a part of the YPC, go to tscnyc.org and click Get Involved to apply. And we're back and we thank you for joining us. Awesome team of people in front of me. I don't want to go around and start calling all the names because I could do that and we could be here for a while. But thank you guys for coming. We had a wonderful time in the Netherlands. Some of us left on last Wednesday and returned on Friday and the others came on Thursday. And uh, But you guys were delayed, like big time delayed. <laughs> and so for many of you, this was your first time on a mission trip. How many of you? One, two, three, four. Let's hear from Priscilla and Gache and a few others. Priscilla, this, this was your first missions trip. Tell us about it. How was it for you? Um, it was a very fulfilling trip. Um, before I, early on in the year, God had placed on my heart to go on a missions trip, and he just said Netherlands. I didn't even know it was for the YPC, wow. and I happened to be the YPC. I was like, praise God. So I knew he wanted me to be there, and there were obstacles earlier on. Um, but praise God, everything went through visa in two days instead of five to ten days. It was just a miracle. And being there, I, we were told in training not to go with any expectations, to clear our minds and just go and allow God to move. But you had some expectations. I had some expectations. <laughs> I, had, I wanted God to move. I wanted to see his hand. And I had wanted to know the plan for my life going there because that was what I thought God was going to show me. And I did get answers to both. I saw how God moved in my life, showing me things about um, ministry work, about how we need to be open. There are different types of people and you reach them in different ways. There may be people who may be willing to um, listen to the word of God. Other people reach through music. Other people, just by being nice, they open up to you and then you can speak to them. So that was very fulfilling for me. And in terms of my long-term goals, it's, it's, it's still around. I still want to serve God. I still want to be doing music. I don't know how, where, when, but I know that this is the path he wants me to be on. As I was ministering on the stage, it just felt like, yes, this is right. Like, mm. as we sang the song, I was created to worship. You, it just resounded. It was like, that's it, that's it, that's it. So I know how it's going to be, but I know that's it. Mm. Yes. Good, good. Now, you guys had a layover in London that was like the layover of layovers. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, and Ketchy, when you were there, did you see that as any indication? I mean, maybe you were thinking in your mind, you know, if this is any indication what this trip is going to be like, then maybe I want to go back to, <laughs> to 
to New York. <laughs> At that point, it was too late to turn back. So, <laughs> uh, but I thought the layover kind of worked to our advantage almost because by the time we got um, to Amsterdam, we realized how much rest we needed. So sleeping on the the concrete floors was quite an experience. You mean they didn't um, put you up in a hotel? What was that? They didn't put you guys up in a oh, hotel? no, we didn't have uh, the... Yeah. But we had our, our, our $10 um, lunch, which we use very... Ten, ten, sorry, yeah. yeah. That's right, yeah. Which we used um, very um, wisely. And it was, it was great, because actually I think we got to, to just fellowship some more, which was nice. So. Okay. Tiffany, this was your first mission trip. When you think mission trip, what comes to mind? We are on a mission. <laughs> That's what comes to mind. Yeah, uh, it was it's actually my first international um, mm. missions trip, and um, I mean, I, I I just prayed before uh, I got on the plane, and um, I was blessed and fortunate enough to be able to travel with my five year old daughter Zoe, um, and I just asked God to just uh, keep my heart open and uh, to help me to be a blessing to others and help me to receive whatever it is he is trying to pour into me. And he poured in a lot. <laughs> and I, I, I believe I, I've come back with a totally different perspective on my life, on the way that I, I view certain things. And I'm very thankful, very, very grateful for it. What, what about this trip made, made it internal for you, made you look internally? Made it an internal experience for yeah. me. Uh, the the fellowship first of all with the YPC members how everyone um, was uh, we were unified and you could feel that and um, it, it was you know no one person standing out it was just unified and I was very thankful for that and then to go over and experience different cultures a different culture and to see that different isn't necessarily wrong um, but to experience it and to be humbled by um, what they uh, experience as worship and not judge it, but to see it as their um, expression to God. And, and, and it's not wrong. It's just different. And it humbled me a lot. <laughs> so that, that was my internal experience. Good. Well, so somebody else, this was their first mission trip. Diana. This was my first mission trip as well, and it was just amazing. I had actually gone to Amsterdam several years ago with a tour group, and after seeing the red light district and the bars that sold the drugs, I told myself that I was never going back there again. And Tiffany told me that if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And, you know, here I was going back with the church, and I... I miss it so much. I must have looked through the photos like a hundred times yesterday and there's only like 40 of them on my phone and and I I was just, I was in major withdrawal. So here you are in this strange land. How many of you, this was your first time in the Netherlands? All of us. No, most of us. No. You've been there before, you've been there before. Andrew was there a few years ago. They talked about Andrew a lot because the stage that we were on on Tuesday night, I think it was, and Thursday... He helped build. Andrew, tell us about your first trip in comparison to this recent trip. Uh, my first trip there was a little more of a shock because it was my first time seeing uh, Amsterdam and everything that goes along with it, uh, the red light district and the drugs and just the total 
godlessness that goes on there. Um, but at the same time, while I was there the first time, I got to meet the, the church and the pastors and the congregation and really got to link arms with the, with the people, the Christians that are there in Amsterdam serving. Uh, so this time going back, it was awesome to see the church growing and the work still going on there a few years later. And you helped build the stage? or did you, yeah. You, yeah. The stage that we were on that we got to have a service on. I helped. didn't fall. And piano. <laughs> <laughs> There's a piano on it, drums and all that good stuff. It's still there. <laughs> Praise God. When you think of music with a mission, because I think this was the epitome of music with a mission. Um, we went out and uh, we hit the streets. We did some churches, some uh, the Upwecking event, which we want to talk about, uh, because that was massive. And um, Upwecking is is that that's Dutch, I believe, for revival. Uh, uh, was a huge uh, Christian event where hundreds of tents were were set up uh, by the people who were in attendance, in addition to hundreds of tents that were housing uh, the services. Uh, and throughout the day, throughout the weekend, I guess it started Thursday and went through Monday morning. Uh, there were various speakers and events and services that were being held. And we had the privilege of ministering that Sunday night, uh, that Saturday night, excuse me, uh, on two occasions on Saturday. And I was told, and you guys were will remember this uh, by Stefan, who was our local host, that the altar call on Saturday night was unlike any other altar call they've ever had. Now, this event has been in existence for 40 years. He's been serving, I think, for about the last 10 years, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, and said to us that that altar call was like no other altar call. Now, of course, we don't go uh, comparing. We don't go uh, to, and we're certainly not in concert mode, uh, though they were looking for a concert. Um, I'm, I'm told in the past there's been major artists there, <clears throat> and the, the likes of Israel Halden and Darlene Jack and Hillsong and so many others that have been there in the past. Uh, and I, And I'm grateful for the testimony that we were able to leave because one uh we were not paid to be there uh you in fact you paid your own way and we thank god for for that but then of course the purpose is or was uh music with the mission it was taking the gospel to the if you will the nation or the nations of the world and seeing men and women and boys and girls come to the saving knowledge of jesus christ both through song and through testimony um, and uh, you guys remember that Saturday night. You remember that altar call. Uh, from the looks of it, to us, it looked like any other, you know, other altar call. People responded to what was a a pure word, I thought, uh, but a very direct word, uh, a very controversial word, a word that you don't often hear spoken in church circles. And that was about sex. And he talked about it with with great directness, if I can say that, but was also uh, biblically grounded. And I think it provoked a lot of people. It challenged a lot of people. Uh, But then to have you guys minister before that, I think it set the tone. Uh, What was your experience, Gabby, with Saturday night? Because you shared your testimony that that night, as as did uh, Ivory. Yes, I did. I was a little nervous about that, to be honest. But um, I couldn't I was really amazed walking around. We had an opportunity to walk around before the actual services start started, and I was amazed to see the amount 
and the number of, of young people that had come to that festival. I've gone to Creation, which is in Pennsylvania, um, a, a couple times throughout my childhood, and this was just even larger, at a larger scale. And I couldn't believe that in a place where I had heard of so much evil and, and, and badness that there was um, so many youth that were interested, even if mm. their hearts weren't right or um, they maybe were backslidden, that they were still there. They still showed up. Um, so what an opportunity, What um, just what an awesome time to come and to share um, and to see all those youth come up to the stage after we were done. And like you said, all we did was worship and all we did was share testimonies, our word, you know, by our word, like the, the Bible says and our actions, they'll know the love of Christ. And I believe they really felt that. And, and to get the testimony and the praise reports afterwards um, was such a blessing to know that we could have been a part of something like that in another country. That guy would call us from New York City um, to go there and, and to just share about his love and mm-hmm. that they could see it, not just hear it, but they could see it through the worship. Yeah, I think that was one of the comments made by one of the hosts is that the people could see that this testimony was real. It wasn't made up. You didn't rehearse it. You didn't practice it. In fact, I don't think anybody realized, at least I certainly didn't, exactly how many people were going to be there. You know, you're told there'll be 20,000 people there, and then you get there, there's 4,000, you know. <laughs> but there were easily 30,000 people in that on those grounds that we could you know, guesstimate just by walking around. The tent easily held 7,000. And then to find out that there were several thousand outside the tent watching uh, screens. When you think about the fact that these were songs and testimonies, songs that we're familiar with, songs that we sing all the time here, and testimonies that we've heard. You know, Ivory has shared many times, you've shared many times, all of you have shared your testimony here at one point or another. Uh, and you think about the fact that, you know, because we can get very comfortable with what we have and get familiar with what we have to where it doesn't blow us away, in a sense. And then you go into a place like the Netherlands. You go into places like Amsterdam and Harlem. And for the listeners, there is a Harlem in Amsterdam. Um, and we we hear these testimonies and we're familiar with it. And sometimes we can get so familiar with ourselves and so familiar with what we have here that it doesn't blow us away the way it does somebody on the outside. Having been in the, in the Netherlands and in Amsterdam and in Harlem and in Sandam, and for those who are listening, there is a Harlem in the Netherlands. It's not in Amsterdam. It's in the Netherlands. Say amen, lights. Um <laughs> And it was it was exciting. It was exciting. But then to hear that, that the reputation of this ministry precedes us, it precedes the ministry to get there and to find that, uh, you know, because I've talked, I've spoken to several people who said that they stream the service every Sunday. In fact, they were probably streaming today because it's four o'clock when we start worshiping here at 10 o'clock. And so they finish their morning service and they go home and they stream the morning service here. And to hear testimony after testimony and how they've been blessed by the music ministry and by by the word that's preached here, it's it's a reminder of how precious uh, what God has given us here uh, truly is. Uh, Ivory, you shared Saturday night, uh, wonderful testimony. Uh, you and Gabby both very free and very transparent and very open. What what was your feeling? I mean, you're looking out there, you're sharing your gut with these strangers in this strange land and then to see that response at the altar and again it was like any other altar call in a sense but then to find out that they're, they're going to other tents trying to get altar workers because they don't have enough what's your thought on that? Um, 
For me, um, the first when we first we had the concert, the hour concert, and that was great. Um, but then the service, we had the service, and I think you said you just wanted to just start off with worship. And for me, the presence of God was so overwhelming that all I could do was cry, um, because I just felt like God was extending His arms out to the to, you know, over this tent, and um, to be able to share. Uh, for all of those kids, it was that was an awesome experience for me and, and an awesome privilege to be able to, to, be able to share um, what God did in my heart. But then for me, I kind of while I was sharing, I felt like like I was I wanted to reach out to the kids and wanted them to know that what God did for me, He could do for them. That I'm I'm not someone special that He can't do it for them. And again, like I said just the presence of God was so overwhelming. And to me, it kind of felt like it was stronger being out in a foreign country than being here. Um, and why I, I'm, I don't quite know, perhaps it's because we're, you know, we're in a foreign land and we're doing God's work, but the, the presence of God was just so overwhelming. And all we did was worship. Oh, you know, our notes weren't all that great, but we were just worshiping God and the presence of God was so overwhelming. And, it, I don't have a whole lot more to say than it was just overwhelming for me, at least. Anybody else share that feeling where that uh, you feel like you're more or you're better received when you are on foreign land than you are in your own country? Jesus said that, right? Yeah. But anybody feel that while you were there? You know, like they receive us so much better than New Yorkers in the other Harlem, you know, or uh, anybody? Yeah, and I think I think part of that can sometimes be that we're a little bit freer when we go somewhere else. You know, when we're here in New York and, you know, we're familiar with the territory, we're familiar with the people, we're familiar with the culture, um, and so we can kind of put up our own walls. But then you, you step out and, like, you, like somebody said, like, we're going, we're, like, on a mission. You know, for this one week, we don't have the concerns of work, we don't have the concerns of you know, of any of all the other concerns that we have in our life. And we are just there on that mission. And so sometimes we're a little less inhibited, I think. Um, but yeah, and I think that that can some kind sometimes contribute to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, speaking about like the upwaking service and the presence of God, like, I think that's what was so exciting to me about that service um, or about those two services is that you know, the, our host had said that in the past at the at that festival um, that they had had, you know, they, they had had bands or they had, you know, tried to find, you know, what the young people would would want to come to and be excited by. And our host had to kind of fight for this choir to come in because everyone was like, what's this choir? Like, kids don't want to come see a choir. But, you know, like you said, we just worshipped. but And when we worship, you know, the presence of God just comes. And I think that's something that they maybe, you know, maybe very few of them had ever experienced that, you know, and that was what was so precious about that to me. One was for me, even like God just ministered, so ministered to me and I was bawling my eyes out throughout the whole thing. But then to be able to to share that with, you know, the 10,000 kids or whatever who may never have experienced the presence of God like that was really special. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. God is incredible. God is with you. God is aware of your struggle. God is ready to forgive. God is powerful. God is your friend. God is a good listener. God is for you. God is willing to God help. God is and always will God be. God is able to God protect you. God is good. His power 
God is a provider. God is Jesus. God is here. God yeah. is the one who loves you. God is merciful. God is the husband to the widow. God is the one with your answer. God is there when no one else is. TSC Music Radio, where God is. back and we are here in the studio with the team that just returned from the Netherlands a portion of the YPC choir and we're discussing the music with the mission portion if you will of this recent trip you know a lot of times people think that you know you can just book tickets you know arrange accommodations jump on a plane show up somewhere and then just go share the gospel there's a lot more that goes into planning a trip like this a whole lot more this was a small team compared to uh, some other mission trips that we've taken in the past um, with the music ministry and the church at large. Uh, but there are a lot of things that took place uh, long before this week actually came about. Uh, Jesse, Yuha, Tiffany, myself, Tim, uh, Treg, and so many others were, were involved in the pre-planning, if you will. In fact, that them a lot more than me, because this is one trip that I really pulled back on and uh, just really didn't touch it until, and I'm sad to say, the week of the trip. I wasn't even sure where we were staying. I wasn't sure the time we were leaving. I just kind of trusted that, you know, they had all the ducks in a row and then and, and I was just able to just jump on, on board in a sense. Uh, I have been praying about uh, this trip and I want to ask you, because we often talk about music with a mission, that's the purpose of this podcast. When you think of music with a mission and you look at this trip, do you see, did you see us actually accomplishing music with a mission, if that makes sense? Anybody? Um, you know, what, what really stuck out to me was that when you're going someplace, especially when you're going someplace and you know you're going to be part of a choir and you're thinking about being on a mission trip, I don't know about anybody else, but in my mind I start to think, well, why do they need me? Because anybody can sing, you know? And so you're going over there. You're very willing because you know that somebody asked you to go. So you're like, okay, I'm going to go. And I get over there. And I really did see the mission part of it because I was reminded of the book of Acts. It seems so simple just to go and sing. But, I, you know, we were there and we are working alongside of our brothers and sisters in the Netherlands who are themselves working so hard every day just to you know, get the word out of God out there and to, and to tend their little sheep. And it's so hard for them that I actually saw, like, you know, you see, you know, 
Paul and, you know, getting the Macedonia call and people were asking them to come over there. And I felt like it was like that with us, that people were saying, could you please come over here? We see you have fire and we need you to help help us spread this fire here and seeing how how difficult it was. And every day getting out there and just singing in the street and um, and praying and hoping for people not only just to come, but to really change their lives. It was definitely a mission. It wasn't easy work. It wasn't something that you had to do grudgingly, but it was you saw how hard that work was and as we labored alongside some really awesome believers you could just get the picture that they're every day just to keep carrying that banner of Jesus over a land that is kind of like deaf to him is not easy and they're like they're digging and they're you know you can almost see sand keep you know falling back into the holes that they dig and they said come help us and there you are for that week we get to help them dig and we're going to leave and they're you know they're still digging and I definitely saw that mission part of it Mm -hmm. I I think it was clear with Pastor Yon both Pastor Yon's and that was a father son uh, pastor, pastors, uh, excuse me. And uh, uh, I'm going to refer to Jan Sr. as Jan Sr. so you know who I'm, t- I'm talking about, uh, was so uh, encouraging and was so encouraged to see his son, Pastor Jan, encouraged. Uh, they both came to me on, on different occasions and just shared how encouraged they were just by us being there. You know, a lot of times when you're in the trench trenches, and you're laboring and you're laboring and you're carrying the banner and you're raising the banner high, uh, it does get tedious. It gets hard. It gets difficult because you're not seeing the fruit, in a sense, right away. You you are having services after services and you're teaching and you're preaching and you're praying for people and you're counseling people. And you don't see the fruit in terms of numbers or, or, or lives actually coming and being transformed uh, right away. And Pastor Jan said to me over and over again, he says, you have no idea how how much this means to my son, Pastor Young. He, he's had a difficult road. We all know the story. He's been pastoring full time now for just about a year. And uh, and we've been in the area of Sandam. We've seen that area. And it's a beautiful area. It's not, you know, and I, and I got to go back because when we talk about Amsterdam, we've talked about drugs and we've talked about alcohol, all, all, all the other stuff. And it is, really is no worse than it is here in Times Square. Um, <laughs> uh, the fact that it's legal there, you can actually walk down the street and get a buzz. I mean, it's just... Did nobody get a... <laughs> oh, I didn't get a buzz either, but I tell you, I smelled so much marijuana, it was unbelievable. I mean, people were just walking down the street, and it's free, you know. And you walk past these cannabis stores, you walk past these stores where where they sell all the paraphernalia, right there in the... It's right there in the window. Uh, what, what was your, your, your thought on that, uh, Aziza? Because, I mean, you walk down the street, and you, you get a whiff of... <laughs> yesteryear <laughs> I guess for me it just it's it's life it's their reality um there is no hiding from it you just kind of deal with it and just uh, it it is mind-boggling like you said to walk by what you think is a coffee store and be told that's not the coffee store that you want to <laughs> go into kind of thing and just see a man just like out in the open smoking a joint like it's everyday business or whatever but for me in particular a compassion came over my heart just because like you said this is something that we see in New York all the time you know we kind of make up our faces about it and whatever else but there it's legal it's a part of life but my heart went out to this particular man it's just he he just didn't know better it was it was just life it was normal um and it just taught me 
it softened my heart a little bit. It taught me not to be so judgmental, not to um, because it's right there. You Mm -hmm. know, this is something that you have to deal with. You can't turn your face up at it. You just you have to have a soft heart and you just have to pray. And, uh, you know, it, it. Yeah. Laws don't change hearts. Uh, uh, the, the word of God changes hearts, and uh, if anything, that's that's what I believe uh, the Lord wanted to use us for is to to share the word of God and show, uh, even if it was for a small group of people, uh, the need for a Savior uh, to pull us out. Because scripture, scripture says that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but in the end thereof there is death. You know, and for somebody, they thought that legalizing. Marijuana and legalizing prostitution was right. It was right in their own eyes. But the end thereof is, is in fact, death. You know, the, they may not be on the street, you know, robbing each other for the sake of, you know, a joint here or a joint there. And it doesn't mean there's no crime there. You know, it just means it's, just, it's probably less than what it was. But the reality is that the end thereof is death. And it's not just a spiritual death. It is a physical death because uh, it will ultimately kill you, you know. A few years ago, I had to do some research on Amsterdam, and what I found was that the legalization, like you said, it was it is the idea of somebody saying that this will lead to good, mm-hmm. because the idea is that you decrease crime by legalizing um, certain drugs and legalizing prostitution, but they have actually found the opposite. Right. So they're in the process of kind of trying to pull back on some of those things, and it really is Jesus that changes things, because even with one of the things that happened, yeah, uh, marijuana is, is somewhat legal, but the, the use and the trafficking of synthetic drugs and harder drugs, it's very heavy in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. A lot of the drugs that get into Europe are coming through there. So that legalization has not helped them. And, you know, I talked to one young man who talked talked about all the, the all of the how much he lost just being addicted to cocaine. And so you still have people crying out for help and that legalization is not helping. But Jesus is really the only thing that's gonna that's gonna change people's hearts and their lives. And on that thought We're going to take a break. Come right back with more from Music with a Mission. This is Carter Conlon from Times Square Church in New York City. Have you ever felt like screaming? Have you ever felt like your dreams, your plans, your ambitions are falling through your hands like sand? Your strength is quickly leaving you. You don't know where you're going to find the resources to do the things that in your heart you know need to be done in your life. The Bible in the book of Isaiah speaks of seasons when even young people shall faint and be weary, and young men known for strength will utterly fall. But what an incredible promise in chapter 40 and verse 31 that tells us those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. These are people who just had the sense to go into the presence of God and find the strength that only He can give. It's time to pray. To find a prayer meeting in your area, visit nycprayer.org. Let the nation sing, let the people shout. Let your kingdom come, pour your spirit out. Come on, sing it with us. Say with us. All around, all around, all around, 
And we're back with the same team. They didn't go anywhere. They're still here. They're a little quiet. We're going to wake them up right now because you had more than just the Upwekin experience. You went to other churches. You saw different uh, worship practices, if you will. Some of you saw dancers You for the first time. Yeah, some of you. Like in the church, okay, maybe you saw it on television, but uh, but but you 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 saw worship in dance, uh, and you had other experiences there. Let, let's talk a little bit about those experiences in the other churches because uh, you know I I I've had a lot of church experience. I got probably too much church experience, <laughs> but a lot of church experiences. So nothing caught me by surprise. Did anything catch you by surprise? I mean, you were in a Surinamese mixture congregation that was similar to this one, a lot smaller, but it had several nationalities represented. Anybody caught by surprise by anything in, in worship there? For me, I had heard of um, the praise dancing. Uh-huh. Um, I grew up in um, a Spanish Baptist church. And they so, dance all the time. In and they dance church. all the time, yeah, yeah. but not necessarily with the flags. Right. And for me, that <laughs> And um, to be honest with you, I remember when we arrived at the church and I saw some ladies. I, I wasn't sure if it was cultural garb or <laughs> what, but again, I was sort of like open to, I guess, just about everything. And um, when we started singing and then I, um, I saw them um, start praise dancing around us, for me, I really didn't know what to make of it, but it was just a matter of if this is how they express themselves in in worship then i think i was more concerned of their um i guess their honesty and their sincerity with with their worship mm. than exactly what they were doing because just like we're um we're singing there i i think the the root of it is the sincerity mm-hmm. and and where our hearts are right. for um for what we're doing you know a few weeks ago on the podcast in fact it may have been last week when we were discussing uh, dance in the church and the effectiveness or ineffectiveness of it. Did you find, I mean, outside of the fact that we were worshiping and you were in your frame of mind, if you will, uh, you looked over, because I have a, I, I got a thought that I that I experienced when I was sitting at the piano and I looked over and I saw these ladies dancing uh, and I, I thought it was great, but I had, I had a thought <laughs> running through my head that I'm going to share with you in a minute. Um, um, but when you when you look at praise dance as we saw and as we know it, did did you see it complementing the worship, or did you see it pulling away from the worship? Um, so I've seen dance being done at a section, let's say, at the beginning of a service, or maybe in the middle of a service before offering, but not during the entire worship time. Mm. For me, it was distracting. Like, and I kept my eyes closed just so I wouldn't be distracted mm-hmm. by all the moves and everything. And I was just thinking, were they leading other people in? in praising God by them dancing where other people dancing with them mm-hmm. or was it their individual dancing that was praising God? So I didn't know mm-hmm. we were leading people in worship, but were they leading only themselves in worship or were they leading the entire group? I was a mm-hmm. bit confused about that. So just to stop myself from thinking too much, I just closed my eyes. Good observation. Anybody else? I actually used to be a part of a praise dance team at no. a former church. Yes. Um, I'm very dancey. But um, 
So I wasn't really, like you said, I wasn't faced by it. I actually thought, you know, okay, that's cool. And even at another church we went to, they had their flags and everything. It wasn't so elaborate. Um, And then I was part of a ministry in another country where, I mean, like, it's like heavy praise dance. There's a team and the congregation is encouraged to get up and dance throughout their service. And there's like long lines of dancers, like weaving in and out of the congregation. So for me, it wasn't so shocking. It wasn't something distracting other than the fact that I wanted to see what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that it was, I, I didn't, I saw it as something that was an individual thing because it wasn't choreographed, but it was these ladies, they do the dancing in the church and whether anybody else wants to join in or not, you know, that's fine with them. So it wasn't distracting to me. I wasn't amazed by it. Um, I just thought it was just like, okay, this is nice. You know, we don't see this often where we are, but it's okay, you know. Tanya. Well, I think I had the complete opposite perspective as Shawnee. Um, I thought it was really distracting, um, not so much in what they were doing, but it just seemed like they came there with that mission to perform, like they had the fancy clothes, and um, sometimes it just seemed like what they were doing wasn't really in line with what where we were in our worship at that moment and what the Spirit was, was leading us. Like um, I just remember in that service just... For me, I just felt like my heart was just being like poured open and God was just pouring in so much. Um, and not so much like that loud like worship, but it was just more um, like the still small voice of God. And it just seemed what I was experiencing. And when I looked out, it was like, are we in the same church right now? What's going on? Um, but then at the same time, it was it was nice to be in that different environment where um, I didn't know if it was just because I'd never really been exposed to praise dancing before or if um, or if it was just the type of praise dancing that was happening. Mm. I think what surprised me about and and the dance didn't surprise me because I've, I've seen it, but uh, when I looked out of the corner of my eye, I'm so used to seeing the praise dancers as young people. And these were not exactly young people. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, I mean, they weren't ninety either. But that didn't did, did, did that did that did that strike anybody as unusual? I mean, I thought it was great. You know, I was I was pleasantly pleased to find to find that they were older women that were dancing uh, because I've seen some of the young praise dancers, and I don't want to see some of them because I don't want to see some of the stuff that they do. But this group had a very unique, I thought, a very unique approach uh, to what they call. Um, praise dance. They were excited too, man. And then forget it. If it was a song that they knew, man, one sister came out of her shoes. She was just in it. You know, she <laughs> she had shoes. She had dance shoes on. You know, you know those little things, those slipper type shoes, ballet. Yeah. And she stepped out of them on one of those songs. She was just in the moment. I was like, well, <laughs> look at this. Why don't you? Um, so I guess, you know, I think what we're trying to do on the trip is preference the fact that different is not wrong. It is just different. Because look at it this way. Look how many people will visit Times Square Church or visit some other church, you know, go there and there's a practice that they have. You know, maybe the swaying back and forth is abnormal to some people. You know, I know church circles that will just look at that and say, oh, you're just a step away from dancing, all of you. Just a step away from dancing. Next time I see you, you'll probably have flags and doing the three-step as opposed to the two-step. You know, and it's, so who's to say that this is, you know, right or or wrong? Now, there'll be some 
you know, I, and I think what we always have to be able to do is have to be able to go to the word of God and and to, to prove why we do what we do. Uh, and I'm not saying twist it and take it and make it fit our situation, but really go to the word of God and see what the word says about dance and see what the word says about the garb that they wore. Uh, and see what the word says about when it's effective and when it's not effective. Uh, does it, in fact, minister to people or is it for the individual? Which was a very, uh, very good question. Is it for the individual or does it actually usher people into the presence of God? See, a lot of times we get in the church and we have practices that we think will usher in the presence of God. Does that make sense? But God is already in, he's everywhere. And it's us who need to get into his presence. And we've somehow twisted this thing in our practice in that we're doing something to make God want to be there. No, God's already there. Doesn't mean he's operating, but he's, he's, already, he's always there. The question is whether or not what we're doing ushers us into the presence of God and whether God says, okay, come on in. That, that is the question. We'll be right back. TSC Music is now accepting applications for our adult praise choir. Directed by Gregory Thomas, the choir represents over 30 nationalities, reflecting the multinational, multicultural congregation of Times Square Church. The APC ministers weekly during the Sunday 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. services, Tuesday 7 p.m. service, and rehearses on Thursday nights. For more information, go to tscnyc.org and click on Get Involved. back and we are with the team who just returned from the Netherlands and we had a wonderful, wonderful week. You know, the Lord blessed us with incredible weather every single day. It did not rain or even get cloudy until, well, it was cloudy one day, but it didn't rain until the very last day. And even then we had an opportunity to minister to a church full of people. Uh, Wonderful weather uh, gave us an opportunity to get out on the streets. But just before you guys got here, we found out that two people were going to be joining us. They were not originally on the team, not because we don't like them or anything of that nature, but they... But they were added at the last minute because we had two openings on the trip, and that was Doc and Aziza. (laughs) And we were blessed to have them because... Doc, you are a former YPCer. Yeah? Yes. And so is Aziza. And they went off and did uh, greater things. Uh, uh, But we were blessed (laughs) to have them uh, grace us with their presence on this trip. Doc, what happened? Um, I got up and got ready for my normal day at work. Came in. um, And someone came over to me and said, how would you like... No, no. How would you feel about going to the Netherlands 
today. 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 And I thought about that and was just very confused for, for a few moments. But there was no time actually to be confused. So my confusion <laughs> was cut short and it was answer the question. <laughs> so um, I thought about it for a few moments and then I, I, I said I needed to um, speak to my boss and to my, my siblings. So, um, and I asked them, I said, did you pray about this? <laughs> and um, then they had to leave the room and I said, well, I'm going to sit here and pray about this for a few moments. And um, I just, you know, I prayed about it, thought about it, and was just like, sure, Lord. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't have, you know, I'm not, I'm not leaving behind a husband and children and what have you. I'm like, eh, well, this is an opportunity to serve the Lord in a different place and just trust him and just see what the Lord wants to do. And um, so I said, okay. And I, I didn't have time, thank the Lord. I didn't have time for expectations. I didn't have time for thoughts. I didn't have time to pack. So I uh, borrowed a lot of things from a lot of lovely ladies <laughs> on the team and um, and was really was really blessed and, and challenged in different ways, but certainly very blessed by a lot of things. Great. So you were asked about the trip that day. That was... Thursday? It was hours before, yeah. Um so I think I I officially got word at um around noon and you guys were leaving I think at two or three. <laughs> so I was told stop everything you're doing now, go home, get things. I ran home running in the pouring rain, threw things from my floor and everywhere else into my bag and came back now and I just like it's true, it's true. But I said, make sure I have the passport, and anything else can be borrowed, stolen, begged for, anything. <laughs> and I went. I trusted God, and he was faithful. Aziza ended up on this trip? Um, yeah, so I think about the same time that Doc found out, like, I, I got to work at 9 and at 9.30, someone was, like, at the door this close to me. And they're like, so, what do you think about the Netherlands? And I'm like, excuse me? Um, and, again, also, like, Doc, I had to find get permission from my supervisors and stuff like that. So it was a bit of a longer process for me. I still had to teach a class, still had to do some things. And then at 11 o'clock, they're like, just go home. Go home, pack, you know, do whatever you have to do. Be back here at 2 o'clock. I live in Riverdale, which is really far. So, like, at 11 o'clock to think you have to go home and pack. I didn't know where my passport was. I haven't done laundry in, like, two or three months. So it was just <laughs> – it was it was rough packing. Um, and my poor roommate, I just kind of was talking to myself for a good, like, 45 minutes. I was like, oh, I need this. I don't have this. Where's this? And she just sat there and she let me talk to myself. Occasionally she talked to me. I talked back to her. Um, and – Within 45 minutes, I had a suitcase packed with everything that I needed um, to come back to the church at two. And then, like, while this is all going on, I'm like, well, God, why, why am I, why am I here? Why do you want me here? Like, I, so, like, after I packed and everything, like, reality started to sink in. And it's just like, okay, God, what are you going to do to me? Like, this is last, <laughs> this, this is last minute. You're going to do something to me. And... Um, I was pleasantly surprised. He did do something. He ministered to me in a way that um, 
it's still mind blowing to me right now to think that he would take me all the way to Europe just to tell me something like that. And like, I wasn't a part of the choir. I was kind of like more behind the scenes with the kids and stuff like that. And he brought me all the way over there. Um, not necessarily to be a part, um, so to speak of everything that was going on, but just to tell me that one special thing. And it was, it's, it's still mind blowing. Like I haven't unpacked my suitcase. I haven't processed the trip. I'm still just like, wow, God. So yeah. Maybe you're going back. I wouldn't say no. <laughs> I've I've learned to um, abandon a lot of my plans, a lot of the goals that I have for myself, and just kind of freely allow God to do what he wants to do, because in the end, he's going to do it anyway, whether I say yes willingly or yes half-heartedly or whatever. He's going to do what he set out to do, and I just need to get on board. Eric was one of two tenors. The other tenor was forced into singing tenor. <laughs> but he's actually a former YPC, right? Didn't you? YPC dropout. Dropout. Okay. Well, he, I don't know. I forgot the year. He, he didn't get the diploma, but uh, I'm trying to get my GED. Right? <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. So Chris went. Chris. Chris now plays with us on on, on the platform keyboards. Uh, but you ended up on this trip, and you you had to sing again. Yeah. Uh, God bless Eric and Greg. <laughs> Lord knows I was singing alto, probably. <laughs> I was like, oh. I, I kept apologizing to Eric. I was like, Eric, sorry, man. If I'm throwing you off, I'm so sorry. But, um, yeah. But, I mean, by the end of the trip, I was just like, I'm just so thankful to the Lord that I was able to serve in that capacity. I mean, I would have. Now, now looking back, I would have served as a janitor. I mean, mm. had me clean some stuff because I was so, so blessed by what happened over there. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, you, you, you guys were on the street. You know, we had a chance to walk through Amsterdam and uh, do some, uh, some evangelism, if you will, um, to some extent at least. Uh, what was that like for you? Anybody have a very personal experience while uh, evangelizing on the street? You're passing out flyers. You're talking to people. You're walking into stores and you're singing, uh, you know, on bridges, you know, and you're doing all of this kind of stuff. Ivory? Um, when it comes to street evangelism, I'm I'm really a shy person. And so the thought of really um, doing street evangelism, I'll be really honest, I was scared. While we were praying, you know, for the street evangelism, in my head I'm going, God, please help me. Please give me boldness. You know, I don't really like to do this. Please help me. And then I was so surprised that it was just so easy. Like, we would just go out in the street. We would hit one corner, start singing, and pass out flyers and go to the next corner and start singing. And it was so easy. And um, I felt there was one instance when we were, this is probably another day, but uh, we walked into the supermarket or the mall or, or something, and we were just singing we were singing at the top of our lungs and it was, I literally felt like God was walking along with us singing and smiling with us because it was just so, it was an awesome experience. And that was what got people's attention. The, the music, the praise and worship, that's what, you know, got people's attention. People started crowding around us and some people got a chance to talk to, to, to the people. And it was just, it was just wonderful just to just walk the streets and sing freely and it was i enjoyed it very much we often say that if if one person comes 
to know Christ, the whole trip has been worth it. And the last day we saw that one person, right? Her name was Tanya. I think she was of German descent. Um, somebody gave her a flyer at a train station, I think it was, or somewhere, the shopping center. And sure enough, uh, the evening service of that Thursday night before our departure, she walked in. And by the end of that service, she was so touched that afterwards, who led her to the Lord? Was it you or you and somebody? Um, so it was me, Labo, and Tanya. Um, actually, I had seen her earlier that day uh, when it was pouring. We had gone to this building that I thought was a train station because we had been at so many train stations, but it was actually a shopping center. Because when I saw her walk through the door at the church several hours later, I, I literally... Y- Shouted! I was like, hey, I know you. Like, I saw you earlier today at the train station. Weren't you at the train station? <laughs> and she's like, I was at a shopping center. I was like, no, but it doesn't matter. Like, I know you. I, I know your face. <laughs> and she must have thought I was crazy. But but I was like, stay after the service. We need to talk. And by the grace of God, she stayed. And after the service, I mean, I kept on looking at her during the service. And I can tell she was being really moved. And... Uh, Labo, Tanya, and I, we just shared our lives with her. And she said that she had the same story as Labo. And she felt rejected by both of her parents. And, I mean, she was telling this to strangers. She said Mm -hmm. she felt loved by no one. And she was hurt, angry, and bitter. And I think we all cried with her. uh, But, you know, and we prayed for her. And after we prayed for her, we looked at each other and we're like, this is the perfect moment. <laughs> We're going to do it. We're going to ask her if she wants to accept the Lord into her heart. And we did. And, sh- and she said yes without, mm. like, without hesitation. And she had, she had like very, she knew very little about Christianity. She had been to church maybe three times her whole life. Her whole family's unsaved. And we knew that her life was forever changed. And we, I mean, God's providence, I mean, we gave her, we, we found a Bible. I mean, I mean, we thought all the Bibles were passed up, but we found one um, just sitting on a chair and belonged to no one. So we gave it to her. We um, told her to read the book of John. And um, Stefan and his father, Pastor Jan Sr., um, they actually speak German because they lived in Germany for a while. And they committed to finding her a local church in Germany. And they exchanged contact information. And I was physically jumping for joy. Um, it was To me, it was just the perfect ending to this entire trip. It was amazing. That's that's all I can say. Because the second we finally got off the stage, Diana just ran to me. You, come over here, she said. And I was like, what's going on? She's like, remember Tanya? I was like, yes, I know Tanya. She goes, not that Tanya, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, the train station lady. She said, yes. Yeah. She's like, she's here. She needs you. You need to come over. And I'm like, okay, we'll be there shortly. I get there. Diana's sitting down talking to her. And I finally sit. And she just starts weeping. And she's just crying. And every time she tries to open her mouth, she says a few words and she just starts again. And she's like, I have friends. I, I The stuff I'm telling you guys, I haven't even shared with them. And Diana goes, sometimes it's so much easier to share stuff with strangers than it is with people you actually know. And she was just like, I needed to be here. Like, I needed to hear these things. And we just started sharing and Tanya came and we all just started speaking. It was almost like she would say something and then Tanya would say something else like, yes, I felt that way too. And then she would share something else. And it was almost like all three of us that were there was able to just 
share every single thing and she she just felt like okay i'm not different i'm not so different from this ladies they, they they've come all the way from new york but i can re- we can relate to one another and that was just amazing and she just sat there and she was just like she she understood what she was it was almost like something in her said yes what i'm hearing is the truth what i'm hearing is what i've what i've wanted to hear and she was in holland for like she was a tourist that was the strange thing she was leaving the next morning it was almost like that one day was meant for her and and i was just like how can you say that god does not see you god does not love you if you came on this trip and this is the final day you were supposed to be here and god met you it was amazing I think the thing that was so amazing to me about watching that all happen with Tanya is that, you know, you mentioned the beautiful weather we had all week and and Ivory was talking about how easy it was most of the days we were on the street just to walk and worship and hand out flyers, which was my experience too. But that particular day that she got a flyer was not easy. It was the one day that it was pouring and we could I mean we were half we had to send half the team back because everybody was getting sick and it was cold and we couldn't sing in the street and we were just I mean I don't know about anybody else but I was just walking around like handing out flyers like angry <laughs> like what are we doing? Ah, I hate this, you know. <laughs> but then to and but I mean I you know you always know like God is working in it somehow or another you know and then just to see that it was that particular day that she got a flyer and God drew her and and saved her that night was just you know it just spoke to me God just really ministered to me of like look it doesn't you know I'm working in and through it when it's easy when it's hard I'm still in it and I'm still with you I'm still using you even when you are miserable (laughs) you know but that was such an encouragement it is different when you are in your hometown um, and you're doing street evangelism um, than it is when you are somewhere in another country. Uh, and again, the reception does seem like you, you're much more received uh, and easily received uh, when you are in foreign land. Uh, however, there was some rejection. There was a lot of rejection. How'd you guys fare with that? I mean, because there are people, you know, you, you reach your hand out to pass them something. They just, ah, no, no. And they just kind of said, no. One guy just said, not for me, not for me. You know, and he just kind of kept walking. How do you deal with that? Because I think that rejection is a lot different from the kind of rejection you get in New York City. Uh, in New York, people reject you by taking your flyer and shredding it up in your face. You know, <laughs> ah, you know, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a little different. But how do you deal with how do you deal with the rejection and still go forward? Because you know that there's there's a mission here. You know it's deeper than a fly. I mean, I, I even had to ask myself, you know, while we would while we were doing this, especially on Thursday, you know, what if Pastor Carter was here or one of the you know, someone else was there and they were the the, the, the guest preacher for the night and they were asked to go out and pass out flyers with their face on it. Did you ever think about that? Because I, I thought about it, and that was my flesh, just thinking, man, I'm out here passing out flyers to get people to come hear us sing. And that, it just felt weird. But it wasn't about the flyers, and it wasn't about the concert, and it wasn't about the group. It was about the gospel. And that's why if we, if we don't have the purpose for this trip clear before we get there, we do make this about what we are bringing and what we are doing. And it was so deeper than that. It was so beyond that. The idea was to get people like Tanya there and to see her make a conscious decision to follow Christ. I mean, you were going to say something. Yeah, I mean, I know when I got uh, rejected, it hurt. 
and it was embarrassing um, by everybody else, but um, <laughs> just keeping it real. He's, st- he's still wounded by it. He's just, he, I can hear his voice. So, you know? Somebody's hearing out there. I'm hurt. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, no, but I, I mean, I was hurt and embarrassed, and but what I kept, this is how I, you know, coped with it. I said, hey, I'm here for eight days, and I'm going to, I'm going to get embarrassed for Jesus this week. So you're only here for a short time. So I'm going to give it 100% and more. So, I mean, for me, that's how I got over it. Yeah. Um, there was one particular moment. Um, we all split into groups to do prayer walks through Sandam. And we also partnered up with other um, members of, of the church we were with. And in our group, um, there were two young boys that um, it was amazing to see them just going up to people regardless if they were in our paths or not they would just like just go to them and and hand out flyers but there was this one moment where well several moments where um they would hand out flyers and um this uh specific area we were in um had a lot of uh, muslim people and they would just reject it flat out and i couldn't understand what they were telling the boy but I remember just seeing this, um, his face, like, just full of frustration. And he turned he turned around to uh, to another member, um, an older lady, and he, he told her, he's like, why don't they take it? Why don't they take it? And the one thing she told him, she's just like, have patience and just go on, just continue doing what you're doing. And that ministered to me because, it again, it was more... So it's so much more than than the flyer. It's so much more than than what than than myself or any of us. And um, it's about what God's doing and and just the the um, the the importance of con- just going on and despite what what may come our way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I actually asked someone out on this trip because at one point I was so frustrated. I said, "Hey, what are you doing tonight?" <laughs> And then I handed the flyer, and then it was only after I had those words had come out of my mouth that, oh my goodness, this probably that was probably not the best line. Um, but that was Thursday when it was raining, and we were trying to trying to get back to YWAM. Um, but I there was one time when we were doing street outreach, and there were plenty of times when when you know we were rejected. You know, people didn't take the flyer; they were like, no, 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 thanks. Um, but just us just uttering the name of Jesus. Like I felt was powerful because we were like, you know, singing and just, and then we saw people like opening their apartment windows to look out. And at one point I was like, oh, how do we get these flyers up there to these people? But, but then I thought just as seeing the name of Jesus has power and I have faith that some of those people will really remember that moment and perhaps look into it more. So I think as much as there was rejection, I think there are ways that that we probably can't think about, that we don't know what happened really. We don't know what really happened except God. And I have faith that God did a lot greater than, you know, just the things that we see. We don't know. We don't know how deep the actions of this team uh, run. Uh, We don't know how deeply impacted Tanya was. Uh, We do know she was hungry enough to stay around. She was hungry enough to... Uh, allow you to pray with her. She was hungry, hungry enough to uh, say the sinner's prayer, take the Bible, and 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 say yes, I'm willing to give my life uh, to the Lord. The key to evangelism, though, is not necessarily 
what you do on the street and then getting people to make a decision. The key to it is the follow-up. And that's why it's important that we continue to lift up Pastor Yon, both Pastor Yon's and Stefan and all of those who are serving in the various areas of ministry there. Because if somebody doesn't reach out to Tanya and make sure that she gets plugged into a church, that she gets plugged into a new believers class or whatever it is that they do there, that she gets plugged into a situation that's going to uh, help uh, foster a deeper relationship with the Lord, uh, then Tanya will be a casualty. You know, she 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 could easily be lost, just as lost as she was uh, the day before. And so this is a process, and it's the same thing that we are required to do here in New York City. I'm still amazed how difficult it is uh, for us with the same tenacity to go down Broadway. Hello. <laughs> with the same amount of faith and the same amount of fortitude and the same get up in the morning and go, the same 16-hour days, and do it right here in the crossroads, crossroads, if you will, of the world where there are more believers and more unsaved people. Uh, and I think that was a challenge for me. God, we are so busy doing church work that sometimes we fail to do the work of the church right here in the in the vineyard that you've given us. You've given us a, a plethora of people to choose from and to walk down the street. It's just, even if it's just going to the store. So uh, if anybody was provoked, I, I think I was to that regard. And, uh, and I was just shocked at uh, just looking back. You know, when you start talking about how we are impacted by a trip like this internally, you know, that was the biggest internal for me, you know, because I can come to work every day and sit in the office and work and do music and, and et cetera. But then I can get up and also walk to the store and walk by a thousand people and not stop to share the gospel. I think this morning's message was even uh, kind of piggybacks on that thought. You know, not only uh, is New York sometimes not friendly <laughs> and difficult to, to kind of break out of your 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 uh, no-fly zone, if you will, um, but what we're, we're called to do that. We're called to go out of that comfort zone. We're called to share this gospel to the nations of the world, and the nations of the world are right here. We can go downstairs right now and pass a thousand people and probably cross 20 countries. So this, this gospel has to be preached everywhere. So I think, uh, but I do want to commend you. Music with a Mission was accomplished this week. You guys did an incredible job. Uh, I said this before we left. I don't know if I shared it with you, but I shared it with some Tiffany, at least, and, and, and Jesse. Uh, you know, I hadn't rehearsed with this team. I was a little worried. I, actually, I did tell you that at the first rehearsal. I was a little concerned because I, we, we prayed about who it should be, but we hadn't, from a musical perspective, I hadn't done all of those musical things. And that was really probably the Lord just saying, you know what, you've got enough to deal with. Don't even concern yourself with that. I'll, I'll pull that together. And he did. You guys were phenomenal on this trip. And I want to thank you for your 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 sacrifice and thank you for uh, going with us and sharing the gospel the way you did and for being the kind of lights that you were and the lights that you are. Uh, and of course, honoring the Lord enough that you won't touch the, touch the glory. You don't take any credit unto yourselves. And that's to be commended. Diana, Eric, Shawnee, Jesse, Raynell, Tanya, Ivory, Chris, Andrew, Tiffany, Alabo, and Keche, Doc, and Jill, Priscilla, Ziza, Gabrielle, you guys, thank you so much. And a few not, who are not here today, Yuha's not here, uh, Harry, Jesse, we had, we had a photographer with us who was everywhere <laughs> doing video, photography, and interviews, uh, singing. <laughs> And that's Ryan. Ryan, you want to tell us something real quick? Because you, you, you had an experience there, I think. You saw everything through your lens, so. 
It was a, a great experience and all uh, very inspiring to and a privilege to be with all these wonderful people. I was really inspired, kind of wanted to be more a part of it, but the whole time I was just behind the lens uh, filming, recording. But all in all, like just to see how strong everyone's faith was and carrying through, not letting any distractions get in their way, just staying strong all the way through, um, it was really inspiring. Thanks for joining us. Music with the mission, mission accomplished. Thank you. Take joy, my king, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. We sincerely hope and pray that this podcast is a sweet sound in your ear. We also hope you'll join the conversation online because Music with a Mission doesn't end here. So check out TSC Music on Facebook to share your thoughts and get regular updates. Follow us on Twitter at TSC Music Tweet for live tweets during every podcast interview. You can even tweet your questions for our podcast guests by using the hashtag MWMPodcast. And of course, you can always email us at music at timesquarechurch.org or visit the website tscnyc.org slash music. Portions of music in this podcast provided by TSC Music, produced by the director of TSC Music, Greg Thomas, mixed and engineered by Harry Vaughn, and I'm the project manager, Jesse Carrasco. Coming up next week, it's the Music with a Mission season finale and a preview of what you'll hear in the next season of the podcast. And remember, if ever we put the messenger before the message, we have failed to present an unblemished gospel. I'm Greg Thomas. Join us again next time on Music with a Mission.